Good morning. Welcome to Bridgewater Church. I'm Pastor Kurt, and I'm so glad that you decided to join us this morning. And I'll tell you that sometimes I get so excited about the worship in the morning, I have this, this thing where I'm like, okay, do I really want to sing all out? I have to preach three times. And so, but I'm like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it anyway. So if you get a little, if I get a little hoarse, <clears throat> that's why. But um, I just love to worship God. He's our great God, and it's just great to come here and worship him together. Um, this morning, we're going to go into our second week of I Quit, Being Afraid. And as we go in this morning, I wanted to share with you a story. Um, this story is about um, what happened in our family. Um, my son, Elijah, when he was five years old, was uh, diagnosed with a seizure disorder. And at that time, um, he, he got stabilized on medicine and for a few years was stabilized on the medicine for that seizure disorder. And that's, that's a, it's a scary thing, scary thing for a parent uh, to be concerned and to worry about that. But then the medicine that was helping him not have seizures ended up giving him pancreatitis. And so he ended up in the hospital for a few days after that. And then after that, it was just this, this course of time where it was just we were going to specialists, we were trying to figure out how he could get stabilized on medicine because he kept having side effects to all the different medicine. But then the doctor told us, well, if he has a seizure for too long, he could have brain damage. And of course, you're like, whoa, okay. You know, that's a scary thing for a parent to hear. And so we, we went through all this time where, you know, Amanda would get, she'd get called out of work and say that this is, you know, that Elijah's going to the emergency room and the ambulance, um, and there'd just be so many times where these sort of things would happen. And it was really a scary time. Um, but, you know, during that time also, um, there was a lot of challenges that were without answers. Um, and you know what? Through that time, God taught us a lot. He taught us a level of trust in him on a daily basis. It was hard, but, you know, it was probably one of the greatest growths as we, depend, as we depended on God. And, uh, and I'll tell you today that uh, Elijah's absolutely free of seizures, and he's no longer on medicine at all, um, which we're very excited about. But, um, but through that time, it was just it was a time of growth where it was just, okay, God, we're, we're going to depend on you for this because there was plenty of worry in there along the way. Um, and so this morning we want to talk about is I quit worrying by moving from what if to God will. So by moving from what if to God will. So I'm gonna, we're going to go to um, Exodus chapter 16. And we're going to talk about, I'm going to give you some background on um, Exodus here. Israel, the Israelites have been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. Then they had complained and they griped about being in slavery for 400 years. They were not treated well. And then God heard their cry and he, decide, and he decided to move and to rescue them out of Egypt. So God uses Moses to help to rescue them out of Egypt. And they end up, they're in, now in the wilderness. And they're having a hard time finding food uh, to eat and water. And, and so now they're free from Egypt from that slavery. 
uh, from Pharaoh, and their food supply is getting to be less and less. And they begin to complain to Moses that they wish they were back in Egypt. So that's where we're going to start off in Exodus chapter 16, beginning in verse 2. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out here in the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. They start down this if only road. If only we had died in Egypt. If only this had happened. And you know what? If only can quickly turn into what if. How often do we go back in our lives and say, what if? We either look at something that's happened in the past or we compare our lives to someone else's life and say, what if my life was like that? We, we, we make this picture-perfect picture of what someone else's life is or what our life was like before so that we don't look at what God is doing now and how God wants to teach us through what the experience we're having in our life. You see, the Egyptians, they had a distorted view of life here. They were cherry-picking part of their past, which they were slaves in Egypt where they were beaten, and they're view pulling the positive part out to help them complain about what they're dealing with presently. Let's see what God does with their complaining. Um, Exodus 16, verses 4 through 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down, rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are, going, are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he heard your grumblings against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. See, God responds here by providing food for them. And, but this is not just a giveaway program. There's a purpose and intention behind what God is doing. You see, he gives specific instructions for them to follow and to teach them to listen, to rely on God, and to follow his directions. These are some of the directions that were given. On days one to five, they were supposed to gather what they could eat just for that day. Don't take less, don't take more, just enough for that day. Then on day six, they were to take twice as much, take whatever they need for days six and seven. So those were the instructions that God laid out for them. You see, sometimes we tend to view God as a genie in a bottle. We go to him in hopes that he will give us what we need or what we want, and we treat him like a vending machine. And I'll include myself in that. If I put my time in, then I will get the desired outcome. Maybe that's to feel better about myself, 
After all, God's love is unconditional. Maybe it's a desire to live in comfort. So we want him to give us all that we need so that we can maintain that comfort. Maybe it's a desire, a good desire, for our children to be good moral people who contribute to society. But what they're doing here, it reminds me of many years ago when I worked as a, a therapeutic staff support in Scranton. And, you know, when I was there, I, therapeutic staff support, that job was to help, uh, help a child with their behavior in the community, at school, or at home. All right. So I can recall this parent who would hand their child over and say, fix them. There would be no desire on the part of, to, ha to work with myself or the mobile therapist to change any behavior on the part of the parent, but only to give the, the goal there was just give them an obedient child with no emotional problems and then allow the parent to live however they want, however they want to in their life. I think that so, that's sometimes how we treat God. Okay, God, give me everything I need so that I don't have to worry or feel upset. But we don't consider it's not just about God giving us what we need. It's about a process of building trust and being obedient through having that relationship with God, that we're obedient to him, we follow the instructions he's laid out for us to follow. How can we trust someone who we don't know or we have not made attempts to understand? When we complain and grumble, it reveals something about how much we trust God. Let's continue in verse, verses 9 to 12. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumblings of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know I am the Lord your God. The glory of the Lord here is referring to God's awesome presence. You see this reminder here of God wanting them to know that last phrase there, I am the Lord your God that he is here with them. He hears their prayers. He hears the prayers of the Israelites. He hears you when you're worried and afraid. But sometimes we can think that because in the moment we don't experience immediate relief or immediate change, that the Lord is not listening. When we're consumed with worry and fear, we need to be reminded that God is near. We need to be reminded that God is near. In order to overcome worry and fear, we have to move from what if to God will be near. We need to move from what if to God will be near. In Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, it says this, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you or forsake you. So say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. 
What can mere mortals do to me? This verse connects back to last week's scripture in Matthew 6 relating to who's your master, money or God. And much of what we can be concerned about in life can be connected to money. But sometimes circumstances don't change, but regardless, God is with us all of the time. I will never leave you or forsake you, he says, regardless of how you might feel. The Lord is my helper. Whatever it means, he will help you be content with what you have or he will help you trust him in the midst of what you're going through. Despite all that complaining, God still provided for the Israelites here. Verses 13 to 19. That evening, quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For, this, for they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given to you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to, is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as much as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. So as, I don't know about you, but as I look at scripture, whenever I'm going through and there's a word that I don't quite know or understand, um, or a unit of measurement that I don't quite know, like I find it distracting for me to focus until I know what that means. Um, So I'm going to help you if any of you are distracted by the word omer, okay? Maybe some of you, yeah, I know what an omer is. I don't know. But I wanted to explain that. That's a unit of measurement that um, is basically a little more than two quarts. So it's an ancient measurement that's a little bit more than two quarts. So in case you're wondering, now you can put that to rest. That's what that is. All right, so... So they, they saw this bread-like some, substance, um, which they called manna, which literally means, what is it, okay? <clears throat> we, we have mixed allegiances and mixed devotions that need to be redirected. And God is testing Israel to find out if they really trust him. God wants them to take only what they need. This is really helpful because God will only give us what we need for today. So many times we want to know what will happen tomorrow or next week or next month. God wants to remind us he will take care of us today. Oftentimes in life, we live in this world of what if. What if I don't get all that I want for me, for my kids? What if I don't get into that school? What if I don't get that job? What if I don't get married? What if I don't make the team? We fear that we will lose control and everything will fall apart if we don't get that thing where we're putting what if in front of it. And then what could happen is that fear and that worry can consume us. So what needs to happen is that we have to move from what if to God will be in control and that he can be trusted. From what if to God will be in control and can be trusted. 
One time I was a leader uh, on a missions trip many years ago. And on that trip, there was, this, uh, there was a teenager who had a problem with the assigned book that everybody was supposed to read. And she did not want to read it, and I, and I asked her why. And she said, I don't like the title. You know what the title of the book was? God at the Controls. So she didn't like God at the Controls. She was not even willing to open the book because she thought the thought of her not being in control of her life terrified her. Oftentimes, we try and control everything so we can have an outcome that goes according to our plan. The problem then, though, is we're not seeking out God's plan, but our own. Let's read on to happen when we don't seek out God's plan. Verses 20 and 21. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. So I don't know about you guys, but the thought of maggots makes me sick. All right? I don't know if you've seen them or if you've smelled the smell, but it's awful. I, I actually considered putting it up on the screen, like a garbage bag with maggots on it, but you're welcome. I did not do that. All right? So I don't know if I would be able to get over it. Um, but it's nasty, right? It's, it's, this is disgusting. And, and maybe you can imagine that and that horrid smell. But the reality is, I, I, you know, is that they didn't do what God had instructed them to do. And this resulted in this. Um, and oftentimes, and I think about that for myself, when I've insisted where I wanted my own way, I want to do what I want to do. And in the end, it ended with disaster. You know, the Israelites decided that God was not going to do according to his word, and therefore, some of them trusted themselves. We have our plans, and sometimes we're so sure of them that we don't consult God. We ignore his instructions altogether. When fear and worry, they overcome us, we must remember that God will take care of our needs. Let's continue on the the Sabbath test that's given to them in uh, 22 to 27. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever's left and keep it till morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded. And it did not stink or get maggots in it. That's good. Um, Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Now God is asking Israel to trust him for today and for tomorrow. He's trying to build this trust with them. And he's trying to also teach them to slow down and have a day of rest. Sometimes in this life, we may feel this pressure to get up early, stay up late, work overtime, get 
all these jobs and do all these things to take care of everything, but, 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 and yet not consult God in the midst of everything. Um, I know for me, for myself and my wife, historically, um, when we felt that financial pinch, you know, one of the things we commonly would do is that we'd pick up an extra job. We'd work overtime. We'd, all these sort of things that we'd just go and, oh, immediately go and do without making that step to, to go to God first and to say, okay, God, what are you trying to teach us? Um, there was, at one point, I was, I was working three jobs. Um, I would work, I'd work at the, the jail overnight from 11 to 7. I'd come home, I'd take a shower, and I'd go work at the counseling center all day. Like, that was like a, that was like a common thing. And so, and, and there's nothing wrong with taking an extra job or working overtime. That's not the point. The point of the matter is, is that we didn't go to God first. We didn't go to God and say, God, what are you doing here? How can we trust you with what is happening in our lives right now? And, um, and that's what God is trying to teach the Israelites and what God is trying to teach us. Um, so do you trust him with your work, with your business, with your money, with your kids, with your future? Do you trust him with your fears and your worries, your needs, the chaos of the world, with everything? When fear and worry begin to consume us, we need to be reminded that God will take care of your needs. Matthew 6.34 from last week says, this, this, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, but tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And as I think about this, I, as I think about our needs, I was reminded of this particular illustration, which I wanted to show you here this morning. Um, this is uh, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, this was a psychologist uh, that was prominent in the 50s and 60s, sort of a pioneer of psychology. Um, I'll say there's, there's some of the stuff that I agree with that he says, some things that you'll hear soon that I don't agree with, um, but there's some really good things that he came across here, and um, I'm ex- going to explain some of these to you this morning. Um, first of all, there's the physiological needs. Um, those are our most basic needs, air, uh, food, water, warmth, sleep. Okay, those are all basic needs that we all need, and we're not going to survive without them. So physiological needs are a basic need. Then comes the, the safety and security, and that has to do with the actually being safe, not being in fear of uh, what might happen to us. Uh, so those are safety needs. And then the next one is the belongingness and love needs. Um, those are relationships, uh, connections uh, with other people. Um, one of the reasons why we talk about all the time here, life is better connected. Um, we're not meant to live life alone. Um, one of our needs is, is connectedness with others. Um, and the, the, the fourth one on there is the esteem needs. And this has to do with our self-worth and our feelings of accomplishment in life. Those are all needs um, that are there, that are present, that we all have. I'm, the last one I disagree with um, Abraham Maslow was, uh, did not know Jesus, and um, his focus was on what he called self-actualization, and it was just becoming the best of yourself. Um, and uh, so I don't really agree with that one because um, the best of who we can be only comes through knowing Jesus. And so, but I wanted to explain one of the things that Jesus does, all right? We see these basic needs here. Um, 
And Jesus, in the Gospel of John, he refers to himself as the bread of life and the living water. What are our most basic needs that we need that we can't live without is food and water, right? Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life and the living water. By doing that, he's saying that our need for just like getting up in the morning and eating, that's how much we need Jesus. Just like we need that food and water to live, we need him every day. Just like the manna that was provided for the Israelites, God will take care of today. We have to move from what if to God will take care of today. Today, Sunday, April 23rd, I need to remember that God will take care of today. There is a place for planning, but most of what we worry about is not actually planning. It's worrying, it's not productive, and it could lead to misery. Illustration I often heard was, you know, worry is like sitting in a rocking chair. You know, I'm sitting in a rocking chair and I'm expecting to get from here to Walmart. If I'm worried, I'm just gonna sit there and rock. I'm not gonna get to Walmart, right? And when we go through life, the health problems in life and the different problems, I think of what we went through with, with Elijah. We began to learn to trust God daily. We didn't know what tomorrow would bring. But that was probably one of the greatest times of growth in our life and our relationship with Jesus. When we're tempted to worry, I encourage you to remember that we need to give it to God every day. Not just once, not just twice, but continually. And that's one of the reasons why I like these, this, these uh, two verses of Scripture um, in Proverbs. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. They say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. So ultimately, how can I move from trusting God rather than just trusting myself? We want to have, you know, each week when we we're, we're talking, we want to give an application where you can take from today, where it's not just you're like, you're feeling that today, and you're like, yeah, I, I think I need to work on that, or I think I need to change that, but we want to give you something to take with you that you can use, because the, we're talking about living a life for Jesus every day. It's a daily thing, so I'm just going to talk about some resources for you. Um, the first one I'm gonna, is going to be up on the screen there, and you can take a picture of it. I'll also be sending it out. Um, but one of the most effective ways to help with worry and fear is, is journaling. And there's several different ways that you can journal. You can journal by just communicating how you feel and what you're thinking on paper to be able to help yourself to process through your thoughts. Um, there's also a form of journaling called gratitude journaling where you're expressing the things in life that you're thankful for um, and, and, and having that to start your day. And then this other one, which is the link on the screen, is that uh, Bible journaling. And this is a way where you are interacting with Scripture, you're interacting with what, what's going on in your life and the thoughts and the, and the feelings, and you're bringing it out, what does Scripture have to say about this in my life? And you interact with it as you write it down. There's a significance to writing it down and processing. And then you can remind yourself later when you're struggling again, oh yeah, God taught me that back then when you refer back to what you've already written down in your Bible journal. So um, that's a great way to do it. Um, also, uh, if you would like, they're on the Welcome Center 
Um, there is a sheet here that you can use in your Bible journaling, and this is called a, a truth journal. And on it, it takes that word acrostic of truth, talks about triggers, root belief and values, unpleasant emotion, truth from God's word, and a helpful future response. So to try and help you to process through this, this is a daily thing, it's a daily battle. And um, my prayer for you and for me is that we would continue to trust God and trust him more and draw closer to him uh, each and every day. Let's, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for, for your word, um, that you've given it to us as a guide for our lives. I pray that each one in here, God, if there's one that does not know you, that, God, they would turn their life over to you and recognize that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross and rise again so that we could have life. And I pray, Lord, for those that do know you, God, uh, God, that you would help daily, help them to daily trust you with whatever's going on in life and, and to grow in their walk with you. We thank you, God, that you've given us the tools that we need for life and godliness, God. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.